Stocks we like is for educational and entertainment purposes only. It isn't financial advice, and you should not buy or sell any investments based on what you heard here. This podcast does not replace professional advice regarding your personal financial circumstances or situation. All right, and we are live, episode three of Stocks We Like. We have Aaron and John here. Aaron, how's it going? Great, great. We've had a little bit of a hiatus since episode two, so we apologize to our loyal listeners, but we had some external factors that caused us to, to take a little break. We had a COVID scare in the very tiny podcast family that we have here. <laughs> this is this is going to be my, my Jordan flu game, Aaron. Yeah. John is... completed his league-mandated COVID protocol, and we are back. So we have an exciting slate for today. We're going to talk about Berkshire Letter that came out this weekend the treasury interest rate update and then also our stock highlight for the day is spotify so get into our history with spotify the stream on event that was this week and kind of the exciting direction that we see that going so a lot of good stuff for today but i think we can get started with the berkshire letter so john i don't know if you just want to kind of give us you know high level thoughts and and all that no for sure it's like one of the best days of the year when you get the letter coming out uh, I mean, if, for those that know, know, Berkshire Hathaway is a conglomerate run by Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger, and every year they release a letter prior to the annual meeting where they kind of, you know, go through the year in summary and highlight some key things that's happened at Berkshire. I think the big story here is that Buffett was very, very bearish in the heat of this this virus, you know, and, and and a lot of people were, but for instance, he sold off his airlines right at the bottom. <laughs> so like literally bottom ticked it. He sold some of his bank holdings. He effectively <laughs> on his like annual meeting, he was like, Hey, this is like reminiscent of the great depression, but we think America's great and they can hold through with it. But he was just too, too nervous to deploy any capital. Yeah. I think, I think the year in summary he he put in about six billion in these Asian or these Japanese conglomerates. So like Mitsubishi, uh, a couple others that I don't know off the top of my head. Yeah. He what else? He bought some natural gas assets with Dominion Energy. He bought some bio biopharma stocks. And then the most the most interesting development is that he bought about 5% of Berkshire's stock. So he deployed $25 billion of, of Berkshire's cash into buying back their own shares, which, I mean, something that he really hadn't done yeah. too much in the past. It's kind of interesting. Yeah, like, I feel like he's he has talked about how you, he's not going to just buy it at any price that right. I think a lot of other companies have done as a way to kind of they don't have any other way to use their cash and they just are kind of forced into buying back their own stock and he doesn't like that side of it. So he's saying it's either a sign that he's truly running out of ideas or he thinks there was a a good value buy there. Right, and that's, the th no matter whether he says it's a good value buy or not, it's depressing that the fact that that's the, right now the best use of his capital in his opinion is right. to buy back his own stock, which kind of shows the opportunities out there a little limited. Because, I mean, listen, there had, there was a shake for, I want to say, like a week and a half, two weeks where you could get the fire sale prices. But 
right after the Fed came in and kind of backstopped it. It's Buffett couldn't just fire his, you know, bazooka. Yeah. Like he wanted to in this case, you know, and he couldn't he couldn't really take down some distressed assets because I mean, the Fed came in over the top and kind of lifted everyone up. Right. Prices just ran too much and we're now at this point where, you know, there's not a whole lot of cheap things out there. So I think he's he's had his hands tied and it's been interesting people have been calling him out a little bit, right? Comparing him to Ark, what's the what's Yeah, the Kathy name? Wood. Kathy Wood and showing her return over the last five years or whatever compared to his doesn't look good for Buffett, but no, yeah, I mean it's, it's the long game here. Yeah, so I think we've got it pulled off. It's Berkshire's performance versus S and P five hundred since nineteen sixty five. Let's see, ho hum, overall gain is two point eight million percentage points <laughs> uh, versus twenty three thousand gain for the S and P. Yeah, so. A little bit of a different game than no, it's the it's over the long haul. But I mean, frankly, let's look at the past ten years versus the S and P. It's not that different. I mean, he's up. This past year, he was up two point four percent. S and P was up eighteen percent. Yeah, not great. And honestly, it was kind of marginal performance this whole decade. I mean, it's been an interesting environment for him and. Without a doubt, the bigger you get in size, the harder it is to deploy capital. Yeah, you know, we were looking at kind of Buffett's partnership letters, and he was able to be like nimble, buy into some of these distressed plays, uh, get into workouts where literally buying some of these um, special situations and waiting for liquidations. Yeah, you can't do any of that when you have a hundred billion plus, right. but. It's it's remarkable, and people are giving him a hard time for how he handled this pandemic. Listen, his story is written. You know, the Warren Buffett story is written. In the next five years, the only way that he can get something in the first paragraph of his obituary is if he blows this thing up somehow. Yeah. You know, so he doesn't... Like, the, the risk-reward here for him deploying a bunch of cash at the bottom was something that could be a depression-like event. It's not really there for him. Yeah. You know? And it's like, from his standpoint, he's the difference is what? He's at 20% uh, compounded annual gain uh, percentage each year since 1965. What did he do? He cost himself 0.5%. Right. I, it's sucks, or it stinks for a shareholder, but... <laughs> I don't know. It's hard it's, to blame him, I guess. I mean, he's had some. I mean, he's had a couple hits. Like we were looking at the, the, uh, the current investments that the company has. I mean, the Apple investment, his best ever by dollar amount. Right? I mean, in s- the size that he pulled off of that, and now it's to the point where he, he considers it like one of his four top companies. Yeah, it's like the railroad. You know, it's Burlington Northern Railroad. It's the energy insurance and apple apple he owns five percent of it getting like 700 million in dividends from it put in 31 billion and market value is about 120 billion so nice old 90 but so 90 yeah billion return. i think ted weschler might have picked it for him but i hope he gave or i hope warren gave ted a little little cut of that because <laughs> my man deserves it no i, I mean it's remarkable just reading through it. It's always great to read through it if you haven't before. It's very conversational. It's oh, really yeah. it's Warren writing it, talking to his shareholders, and it 
this one kind of has in his mind how he views the different groups of Berkshire shareholders, which is interesting. Talking about, you know, obviously institutions are in. He talks about, highlights some people that have been in since the partnership, which I think maybe is a little self-serving to say this. I've made this guy super, super rich. But it's kind of cool. It's super conversational. People have made books just of, you know, combining all of his shareholder letters over the years and people buy it and read it just as a book. A bunch of, a bunch of Warren Buffett leeches out there, you know, trying to get a little, little cut of that. It's remarkable. And another holding that stands out, especially like during all this Tesla, uh, discussion is BYD. And so that's effectively like Chinese electric vehicle company. So he got in that, I think, 08, 09, $232 million. It's worth $5.9 billion. So, <laughs> I mean, that, that's that's insane. And the whole time you're watching Tesla run up, well, BYD is fairly correlated to it, although I guess nothing's really correlated to Tesla yeah. these days. But uh, kind of insane that it's it's such a big holding at this point to get it up to $6 billion when you're starting with you know, 200 million. And I think that highlights at some level his problem of, right. You have to hit it so big on such a big initial investment to move the needle. Like that's what a 20 some bagger. And it still is not in the general scheme of Berkshire is, isn't really moving the needle. No, it's a great point. And he owns 8% of the company doing that. You know what I mean? So it's like, he really can't put on too much size unless like recently he invested in Verizon and like chevron these are the only types of companies that you can really put real size on yeah. that would that would even matter right. and so that's why he's <laughs> this biggest uh deployment of capital is you know his own stock but. yeah i think it's it's that's good news for us though right that's our biggest advantage is not <laughs> that size invest as being a small investor no, you can put your money in anything right and not obviously be burdened with having billions of dollars to, to deploy right but, it is a, the biggest advantage of being a small investor. You have complete flexibility, and you know if you see an opportunity that you love, you can, you know, back up the truck and right. and really go all in on it. No, so. there's no institutional uh, imperative for you. There's yeah. no clients that that you know of that we have <laughs> that you know we can't invest in cigarette companies. You can't. You have to invest ESG. No, we can. We can invest in small cap. You can invest in special situations. And there's just, I mean, the market's not, uh, and the market's so big that there's going to be some inefficiencies out there. Yeah. And we'll tell you when we find them, we're still looking. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, it's, uh, I guess, speaking of the market, it was the first kind of real panic down days I saw in a while. You know, it wasn't anything like what we saw in March or anything, but there are a couple days this week where the inflation expectations that were showing themselves through the treasury really seemed to spook people. Yeah. So uh, I forget which days it was, but, or yeah, the, uh, the stock market Tuesday. Yeah. It was two, it was was like two days where kind of the, the narrative of inflation kind of switched. I saw on Twitter, you know, the big short guy, Michael Burry talking about hyperinflation possibly happening. And, you know, people have been at, people have been saying there would be hyperinflation ever since, the Fed came in in 2008 uh, over the top with quantitative easing. And it just never really it never really showed up anywhere. 
especially not in the CPI that, that people are measuring it with. But at the same time, what really is the inflation rate for me? And it's, you know, is my rent going up? Right. Can I pay my, my health care bills? Are they going up? My kids' college tuition, is that going? And it seems like those are kind of uh, well, inflating. Wild. Yeah, tuition has <laughs> always beaten every inflation and, you know, cost of living increase ever. Cause it's, right. Yeah. But, Good luck raising it now, though, yeah, with like what value. People skipping <laughs> college, yeah kind of that yeah. bubble has to pop at some point maybe i don't know yeah but it's, these kids these parents want their kids to go to these schools though yeah. it's so crazy but regardless it's just the inflation expectations have been have been so low and now having this about face of people that are in longer duration assets like all these tech stocks where if you're if they are being valued on a discounted cash flow basis all of their earnings are in the future yeah you know like any value that would be captured in one of those DCFs would come from almost the terminal value. And so all you're doing now is increasing that discount rate that you're discounting back everything by. And, you know, it's not as attractive at a, at a 50 PE multiple than it was. And it's, it's easy to just say there's going to be big inflation and, and how do you position yourself accordingly? Uh, what do you do? You buy Buy a house, you know, get a big mortgage on it so that it gets inflated away. Get a fixed, yeah, fixed true. payment. I yeah, guess. I mean, you can. I think if you get a mortgage now, you're almost at two percent on a thirty-year mortgage. Is that for real? Two and a half. Wow. So, yeah, I think that that's part of the reason why in COVID people just scooped up every house you ever. See, yeah, yeah. It's. Absurd. I think part of that's also people being bored and wanting something to do, but. I don't know. It's wild. No, it is. And I think the way we're thinking about it is kind of putting ourselves in these these equities that are fairly capital light. The issue with that is a lot of these software companies are capital light too. So like people are people are positioned in equities that although they're really high value and high growth rate which will get hurt by inflation just because of like the long duration nature of, of uh, when their cash flows are coming in for us, sorry, <laughs> you going down a little rabbit hole here, <laughs> but for us, like I think Lamar's a, a company we got into that, you know, very leveraged and it's a billboard company where, you know, revenues are, are adjusting on a short term basis. Costs are long term. There's Formula One we talked about last week is a really good inflation play. Yeah. Because everything's, I mean, there's no reinvestment. Yeah. All of it's coming from price increases that they can pass through based off increased demand. But And I, I looked at, I went down a rabbit hole today of looking at jerseys for when we go to Austin. Yeah. I mean, they're not cheap. They're already raising The jerseys? Out. Yeah. Or the, oh, no. They have team uniforms well, I need, or whatever. We need our Ferrari. <laughs> Charles Leclerc. <laughs> We will be head to toe Ferrari red in Austin. In no, you'll see us. Yeah, we'll have our stocks we like patch on our shoulder. But <laughs> that's no, actually that's a good hilarious. idea. Yeah, it's, but I mean, it's something to keep in mind. And please don't invest in these uh, long-term bonds, hoping to get your uh, your two percent and thinking you're going to be all right with that. Yeah, because yeah, it's going to be a little difficult. But 
I think we've, we've touched on enough of that. Uh, Aaron, do you want to kind of pivot to Twitter and what you were kind of seeing there? Yeah, I thought it was interesting. So we'll get to Spotify later, but Twitter this week came out and introduced a kind of a, a couple big changes. They're introducing a paywall for tweets, which I think people expected, but it's just further evidence of everyone's pretty shocked by the success of OnlyFans. Right. You know, doing two billion in revenue essentially in what's their big first year of being in the public mind has caught wow. everyone's attention. Not just the public's mind, but Aaron's mind. <laughs> no. <laughs> there goes all my <laughs> spending thousand dollars a month on OnlyFans. Uh, no. <laughs> but yeah, I think it's people were shocked by that. So Twitter is has thrown their hat in the ring of of the, introducing the paywall with the idea of, you know, you have tweets that people pay for. It's honestly just kind of saying Twitter's always kind of had a weird relationship with adult performers, I'll say. They've always allowed it on the site, which is interesting. So maybe it was with the future thought of someday monetizing it, but it'll be interesting to see how that, if that works, if that's really the route it goes, but, but I don't know. I, I was seeing... The day they came out with that, one of the top hashtags on Twitter was hashtag cancel Twitter. People were like, I'm never going to pay for tweets. Like, this is ridiculous. And it is... Voice their opinion on Twitter to cancel Twitter. I don't know. It's funny. But it is... Twitter at its core seems just so informal and just kind of flow of conscious that trying to put a paywall on it kind of seems tough, but... I don't know. The stock, I think the, the stock base. liked it, right? Because it's just, they've botched monetizing this thing so much. Yeah. I think the ads are getting better on it. But it there's so much there. Like, I mean, I would pay for Twitter. Really? Just So, like, a flat subscription I would pay. I get To not so, see ads? No, just to, like, use it. Like, if they just said, oh. no, one, this is a hypothetical. Oh, wow. Like, I would do that. Because yeah. I get so much value People from like it. it. No, People that are on Twitter and interact with it really like it. i mean i've got multiple accounts i've got fintwit <laughs> and a normal account where it's just unbelievably funny content <laughs> people are like, when you collectively source the entire population people are pretty funny the whole thing's gonna be like every every tweet that's like man i can't believe this app's free and it shows <laughs> it's the weirdest content but it's funny no it's it's uh, it's a testament to some of these companies that have large user bases and haven't been able to monetize it yet or have the option to monetize it. So just the fact that they're tinkering around is really what the investors seem to be yeah. liking. You know, not I don't think necessarily they're going to kill it with the monetizing it like they want right now. But it, I, I think there's... I think there's some levers they can pull. Yeah, I agree. That being said, Twitter is not currently in our in our portfolio. No, it's not. It is just kind of an interesting commentary on where the tech world is going, right? It, it's if for so long it's been everything's free, just get on our site, use everything. We want you on the site, and now you know at some point you got to start making turning those users into revenue. So. No, I think about this all the time since let's call it 2010, all of these freemium models, or honestly, they've just been free. All these apps have been free. Uber has been cheap, like subsidized. Our rides have been like too cheap. All, All these companies are trying to gain market share by having the free model. And then 
everyone's talking about they're gonna well eventually they'll raise the gates right well, what happens when everyone does that at the same time it's gonna yeah that's like you know what i mean like what if youtube just did it like what if like maybe youtube's the worst because they make so much money yeah. so maybe that's not the best well, example yeah, but like snapchat like all of these companies that haven't quite figured it out but if they all start monetizing then people are just not gonna be able to pay it yeah yeah it's interesting because you know only fans was so successful with it but it's i think it's shown that there's some people in the market that have the money can spend the money really don't care yeah other end of the market that is very sensitive to price increases or paying anything at all so one reason why i like spotify but we'll get into that in a minute but but yeah i think it's interesting yeah and it's and, and we're gonna see i guess but Again, I'd throw a couple of shackles at it. I mean, I, I I love it. I get so much entertainment from it. But at the same time, I get like, I start thinking about, do I have my Disney Plus subscription and my Netflix subscription and my Spotify subscription? Eventually, if everyone just starts raising, raising the gates here, yeah, there's gonna be some sacrifices. You'd think, but I don't know. We'll see. But I think, I mean, we kind of touched on when you transition to Spotify, but it's uh, it's a good example of what happens with you have an audience, you have all this optionality that you can turn to, and we're really, really bullish on Spotify's optionality here, yeah. but I guess, Aaron, just kind of kick off your the, the Spotify discussion. Yeah, so we... Spotify's been a winner for us so far. I think yeah. I'll just, we'll just get out and say that. We, we got in early March. We got in in March. Yeah. yeah. And... Kind it was of kind just, of before it it was in the public narrative. It was, you know, early shutdown. We didn't buy at the exact bottom. Well, no. But we were early. I think we bought, we even nibbled a little bit in February, like pre-pandemic. Yeah. Because yeah. it, I mean, the stock, if you look at the graph, it didn't budge Yeah. for two years. You know, it was trading in that, it was pretty much stuck at that three times sales uh, a range. And so it was like bouncing between 100, 150. And just wasn't going anywhere and just had none of the discussion that a FANG stock that all these other technology companies were getting. Yeah. It, was, it was surprising to us. And it, I think a big piece of it was because inherently their business model, at least their current business model, is not as profitable as other FANG companies. No, 100%. And it's because they pay out a lot of money to the, the rights owners for these songs. 100%. So it is... I think that was dominating the narrative with Spotify of, oh, it'll always be low margin. They pay out. They're essentially just distributing the music for all of these record deals. And that was dominating the the narrative when we saw the podcast as a way to flip that. And right. then I think the Joe Rogan, them signing Rogan to an exclusive deal really flipped that narrative. And people start to say, oh, there's more here to Spotify than just, you know, living in the low margin world of, of these music royalties. So I think that not to just completely go down this rabbit hole, but I think the initial jump of that we saw around March was really due to that Joe Rogan deal. And, and people were saying if they can take the podcast world away from Apple into Spotify and start to monetize it, that can be a pretty big catalyst for them. They completely took over the podcast game, and Apple was just asleep at the wheel. 
Yeah. And, I mean, they're Apple Podcasts. Like that's it was like almost. I mean, the only I'm way sure you even like. Podcasts before. <laughs> I'm sure the reason it's called podcast is probably related to the iPod, right? <laughs> oh, I don't so, know. Yeah, I don't know. It might be. But I, they just completely were asleep at the wheel. Yeah. Apple was, and you're right. The narrative was stuck with the the unit economics of I listen to a song, what's happening there? And in reality, I'm paying my 10 bucks if I'm a premium user, but it wasn't, there was no fix, there's no operating leverage in that model because each listen, the artist gets paid, right. you know? And so, and there's a deal, they get paid less for the free subscribers and the regular, but each one they get paid. So, who cares if they're growing at 50% revenue? Yeah. Every increase in revenue is followed by an increase in costs and the margins are going to stay the same. Yeah. And what's really changed that is if I'm thinking about the total audio consumed on Spotify, music's becoming a smaller piece of that pie. Yeah. Because of the rise of of podcasts which the effectively they don't have to pay much of anything right other than getting the licensed content under house which is what they did with you know joe rogan and bill simmons yeah and then they're also and this is part of the stream on stream on was this event they hosted this tuesday this past tuesday where they it, they kind of introduced a ton of stuff they introduced hi-fi streaming so that that's higher quality audio that you'll pay a little bit more for i'm not canceling my title subscription so don't <laughs> Don't try. Yeah. That was the one thing Title had over Spotify and now Title has to be a little worried, but I mean, is Title a thing still? <laughs> that it, it was it Kanye's thing or Kanye's album came out on it. I know it was, no, was Jay Z. Oh yeah, yeah. It was Jay Z. We'll cancel that. <laughs> but <laughs> but uh, uh, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. No, yeah. Effectively all it was was higher quality sound. Um but yeah. So I think I'm, going back to Stream On, another big thing they they introduced was the option for podcast producers to have a paywall. So like we talked about with Twitter, the option for users to, you know, every free user or premium can listen to your normal podcast episodes, all that. They're adding in the option to say, you know, if you have super loyal listeners that want to pay you, you know, $2 a month, $3, whatever the number is to get more episodes, to get video episodes. So it's just further going down the road of completely personalizing your experience on Spotify. And hosting it all on the site right. versus I'll, I listen to this Empire Music podcast and they'll, they're effectively asking for money after every episode. Like, if you really like yeah. the show, please go on our website. You know, exactly. that's going to be under house now. Right. And Spotify, I mean, what's great is like they own Anchor and that's how we do, uh, how we post our podcast yeah. too. And so they're just taking it all under house. And now the strategy is getting proven out because look at what the competitors are doing now. They're acquiring stuff. Yeah. You know, Amazon's trying to get on it. Apple's trying to get on it. Yeah. And I think they're going so, they're going full in on if we can make the podcast content producers happy make the artists happy then they start promoting spotify just because they make more money on spotify than the opposing platforms and then it you know that snowballs quickly where right why does anyone even put their 
podcast or music for that matter on you know apple music or whatever it is when they're making more money per user on spotify so i think if they can get to that point i think it's that's right. a that's a big win it's them. not just despite spotify you know they just initially the economics weren't great for for some of these artists yeah, on the site like a, no one care uh, no one's like actively like i say this all the time it's like when coal stopped being used in in lieu of natural gas it wasn't because people were like oh we just got to have a cleaner environment just use natural gas it's because coal's price just ripped while right. natural gas just flooded the market yeah sorry that was a tough analogy i'm getting <laughs> i'm touching them all but no it's if it's a better product people will use it and if the artists are happy on the site what's the point yeah they don't and care they didn't explicitly introduce this but it was you know, almost assumed that at some point they'll have a paywall for artists too. So they talked, a, they had a Q&A, investor Q&A after the Stream On event and someone asked Daniel Eck, the CEO, you know, you introduced the paywall for podcasts. Will you ever do this for artists? And I've never seen such a weird smile on X. I mean, he was so excited. The guy said, you know, what if you have first access to concert tickets you know, behind the scenes of recordings. I mean, what are the numbers if Justin Bieber has a a paywall on Spotify where you get first access to tickets? Seriously. You get, I mean, people are people are going to pay for that. I, and so. I mean, and there is the long term thinking that Buffett talks about. Eck is so long term; it's almost crazy. Yeah. yeah, like he's twenty out. Yeah, he's looking twenty out, and he just wants to ho- he just wants to own audio. Right. That's all. The we other have. thing. <laughs> the other thing you know, they posted their mission or whatever. And he said they want it to be a true platform. So they envision that there can be a million creators making a living on Spotify. And I think that's where, you know, just circling back to the point of if you allow creators to make money on your platform, then the listeners will follow, which brings in more creators, which brings more listeners. So it's really that positive feedback loop that once they build out, the way for people to make money on their platform, it's it they're gonna only widen their lead in the no, audio space. I think another thing to touch on is the amount of data that Spotify has. You know, there's no narrative on the data. And because they don't I don't think they're actively monetizing it, at least that they're telling people about. Like yeah. I don't know that's Facebook's MO. But Spotify, think about like how much more personalized Spotify's recommendations would be than a netflix netflix is one movie is two hours right how many movies do you have to watch to get a person's taste songs they're three minutes a pop you know you're going bouncing around you can get the person's demos easy oh people that listen to this song like this just all right that's the basic one yeah but you can get deeper and deeper into that save people's uh data from before recommend new songs there's just so much more data collection being involved that You'd think the quote unquote algos would uh would kind of fine tune and and get pretty good at recommending songs and For just sure. keep you on the platform. Yeah. And then that goes to the point too of they in Stream On they announced that SAI, which they say is streaming or streaming ad insertion. Yeah. They're opening that up for podcasts that aren't Spotify exclusive. So before they were only doing that on on Rogan, on some of the other Ringer podcasts that are exclusive yeah. to Spotify. But again, now they're opening that up to everyone. So they're saying, again, kind of saying, come to Spotify, make more money through this ad technology that we've built. And 
and just further that moat. Also, I mean, one of the all-time sneaky moves I've ever seen was they had the free versus premium, and what's the differentiating factor initially was just ads versus no ads. Right. Uh, Aaron, the podcasts all have ads on the premium. Yeah. You know, so that ad revenue is still all there, even when you're theoretically playing premium just to skip it. Yeah. And I, I saw, it might have been Nick, it might have been someone else said, you know, I think there could be some pushback, but if you're the leader in the space, you kind of get to dictate what it looks like. Right. So if you build the the platform, the podcast platform, and that's just the way it is, right? right? You know, and I think it goes back to the creators have to make money. So if you allow podcast creators to make money, then that's just the way it's going to be. Right. And the thing about it, it's these ads can get so micro, you know, like I'm listening to some niche movie podcast or niche investing podcast. You can get such a targeted ad. Right. And we don't, I think we don't hate, not we, just the general people don't hate ads. We hate bad ads. We hate so, bad ads. I mean, it's why Instagram it is so compelling, to be honest. Instagram knows exactly what you like. And, then and you want it you. to know what it li- what yeah. you like. Yeah. Honest to God, like, So if okay, it's a good ad of something shirt. I'm truly interested in, yeah, we don't. <laughs> You know, we want to buy shit. (laughs) Literally. But, yeah. So, I think they have a lot of things going for them. One other interesting thing they announced in Stream On was they have a new Batman podcast coming out. Yeah, this is kind of like the Twitter thing, right? Yeah. They have a collaboration with DC Universe where they're uh, a whole series of, of Batman podcasts scheduled to come out. And I think they didn't explicitly say this, but I'm assuming those will be paid podcasts so they've said in the past they view podcast premieres like movie premieres so i think i don't know if it's true blockbuster numbers out of the gate but i think they see it you know the new batman podcast is out what are the box office numbers i don't think that's outrageous to to think in the future when people are hooked on the new podcast and batman's only one example but i think the medium is just at the beginning and monetization of the medium is, is even earlier. There's a lot of levers to pull here that, that aren't being pulled. They're not even being considered, which is, which is so interesting. And you know, the stock's not cheap by any metric, you know, let's, let's be frank here, but it's growing. So so like we can't say recommend go buy the stock right now. Honest, like honest to God, it's had such a nice little run here. That it's tough. We, I mean, we will say if it pulls back, like we got in the valuation. Really, you can't really do a DCF on it. No, you can look at where it's trading. Three times sales for what it was growing at seemed reasonable. Yeah, and we didn't believe the bear cases that they uh, were stuck in the low margin. Exactly business. stuck yeah. in the low margin business that Fang would just crush them. The second that it turned into a good business, yeah, that it's. I've heard a hundred podcasts where they talk about if you wake up every day and all you're focused on is this little micro thing. Is just, uh, I mean, audio is big, but all they think about is how to have the best experience possible. Yeah, on this platform versus an Apple that is making multiples of Spotify's revenue selling AirPods. Yeah, 
you know, it's a different. There's levels to it. They don't care as much. Right. There's no way. Amazon, I mean, they like to offer the bundle too. They Yeah, they just want but, to strengthen their ecosystem, keep you there, but as opposed to truly building the premier right. audio platform. I think one thing, one battle that is worth noting is the battle for the car. I think that's going to be interesting to see how play, that plays out. I think there's going to be some antitrust issues if, if Apple limits any Spotify capabilities on yeah. uh, on that. But effectively, like, why can't Spotify take over the radio Yeah, in your car? Well, that's it. Yeah, the Apple thing is interesting. Spotify's battled with Apple for a while right. over the... You, uh, you can't upgrade to premium within the iOS app, which is pretty interesting. Right. And, and the reason is Apple charges a 30% fee on all transactions done in their apps the gatekeeper so that obviously is a non-starter for spotify when the margins are already low on the music side so that you know seeing how that evolves especially as they try to go to more transaction based you know pay for this podcast it's a problem that you can't have people pay through the iphone so that's something to watch I, i know they'll continue to fight that battle but that's definitely an uphill battle no it is and it's material yeah you know it's that much friction to have to leave i can't i couldn't believe you had to do it you have to leave the app to buy it yeah you have to go on nightmare yeah it's a nightmare but i one thing that is i don't know i assume it's the same if you do it through like an apple tv i assume it's the same but but i don't know i think they envision that you'll be doing this on your Amazon Fire Stick and stuff, so I don't know. But th- that's definitely something to watch when they clearly want to go more towards the a la carte, you know, buy this podcast, buy this paywall, that kind of thing. Right. Now, and, I mean, we talked about him before, but Daniel X, a nice guy to have in your corner. You know, it's, yeah. he really is. He's incredible. He's one of those, uh, one of the kids that started really, really young, Super smart by all accounts. You should listen to these Invest Like the Best podcasts with Daniel Eck. Yeah, really good. I mean, it's incredible. It's, I mean, because there's so much, they got lumped in with the Sean Parker's, that's his name, right? The Napster guy? Oh, yeah, I think so. Don't quote me. But they got lumped in with him right after, right? That they're, oh, free music. I remember in like high school listening to Spotify and like thinking like, how is this making any money? It's yeah. just free versus Apple. I have to buy for a dollar. Yeah. They kept Apple just kind of slept on the wheel. Didn't do anything. Didn't touch the podcast as much as they should have. Right. You had to download everything. So annoying. Yeah. You go on the site. They're not recommending you anything great. Yeah. Your it's clunky interface. Like Spotify is so sleek, not just the looks of it, it just works well. It works well. I Here's a song. I want to share it to Aaron. Two clicks. Yeah. I want to post a cool-looking story on my Instagram. Two clicks. Yeah. And they haven't done... I think they've kind of announced it. The audiobook lever. Yeah, they, I mean, they had a super small, quiet rollout. I On my Spotify front page, I had you know listened to these classic audiobooks, and it was right. just out of the blue. I didn't expect it, but I think... It's a hint that that's definitely a direction they want to go in the future. And there's well. like, if you look at the layout of the app, there's such a clear box that they can put books in. Yeah, like it in says music. Library. What does it say? It's like music, podcast, and it could theoretically be books. Yeah. I, I've seen that on Twitter a bunch. Yeah. And, and it would make a lot of sense. It would. I wonder if the, like, why the heck would I have an Audible app if I can just listen to it on Spotify? Yeah. 
It I'm really... sure there might be a licensing issue. I, I'm not 100% sure, but... I think, yeah, and the audiobooks would definitely be that kind of a la carte where you're paying for an individual audiobook, so that, you know, I, I think that's in the future. I don't know exactly how that'll look, but... And if they get the books, that's just more audio that's pushing out because it's zero. it is zero-sum, yeah. the audio you listen to. You can only listen to so much, so if I'm listening to more books... I'm not listening to as much music. Yeah. And the economics are completely different. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, and that's, it's worth considering. It really sure. is. And then, uh, yeah, I think. Is that it? Kind of what I mean. Yeah. I think we ran out of steam. Here. Yeah. I, I, but no, I enjoyed I, it. I think in summary, it's just the future revenue growth, I think, will be astonishing as they. Country by country, they yeah. can just march. Well, and that's the other big thing that they announced at StreamOn is a much quicker global rollout than they were initially expecting. So that's Africa, a lot of parts of South America that are, that are bringing online that they didn't initially have targeted for rollouts this year and into next year. So just further proof that they're really investing in the long term here and, and see a lot of value in those new markets. No, right. And again... Everyone else is asleep at the wheel. Yeah. And they're focusing on it every day. But we're really interested in it. As a stock, you know, it's hard to recommend after such a big run. Yeah. Its valuations effectively doubled, looking at it from like an EV to sales standpoint. Yeah. But uh, the growth that they are projecting, if they actually hit it, yeah. I mean, the stock is going to rip. And they've always said they like to guide pretty conservatively. So. They like to say for projections, this is what they feel very, very confident that they'll at a minimum hit. So it's nice that that's kind of their benchmark. That's where they start from. And then there's only upside from there. Right. So. And there's still this narrative of the fangs can squash them. And honestly, that's when Aaron and I kind of said we'd invest a little more is yeah. once Spotify or once Apple rolls out this subscription that they'll probably tie in a bunch of different like services into that like a fitness slash music slash whatever home yeah. home style it's not a thing uh <laughs> subscription service will jump in but until then we think it's it's a good case study at the very least yeah and definitely. it's a company to keep on your radar if if things start uh selling off with these to go full circle inflation yeah. expectations no, increasing. I, yeah i can see it taking a big dip here the issue is when it rips like this it's not a lot holding it up you know what i mean like the resistance levels have not been created quite yet yeah but we we will see yeah definitely all right aaron i enjoyed it yeah absolutely all right glad see to you be next back. time see you